Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Welcome into episode 131 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined by Bridget Pru and Scott McLaughlin. And the Bruins are off to an 11-2 start following their loss up in Toronto. Uh, they defeated the St. Louis Blues 3-1 at TD Garden on Monday night. We're going to get into the release of Mitchell Miller uh, and the saga that was, because although Scott and I discussed it last podcast, Bridget was doing a wonderful job doing play-by-play for... Uh, for college hockey. So we'll get her take on it as well. First, um, Bridget Scott, phenomenal uh, Pooh Bear jerseys tonight. What were your takeaways from the game? Well, mostly, yes. mostly jersey related. Yeah. Pooh Bear jerseys, great from someone who wasn't a fan of the originals. Uh, looks very sharp on white. Uh, and, and Scott's and- trying to get that sweatshirt. I did, yeah. So, like, the team trainers had uh, sweatshirt, white sweatshirts that they were wearing with the Boo Bear on them. And I, I don't buy, like, team apparel anymore because, you know, media has to be unbiased. But, man, those those white sweatshirts, those popped. Like, I, I, I could wear one of those. It made um, me excited for Meth Bear. I'm not going to lie. I was like, okay. I think That's true. Yeah. I, I, maybe I got to like, wait to see. Out see what kind of apparel they come out with with meth bear uh, yeah yeah as as brad marchand said on nesson uh bruins have have a lot of twos and they look like tens in, in the Pooh bear jersey that's an all-time like yeah great that's... line from him because he's got some good ones and you never know what he's gonna say but that one was hilarious <laughs> yeah he got razor to crack up oh yeah he broke up like as a as a like broadcaster you try not to laugh at that stuff but he was so shocked when he heard him say that that he just like his mouth just was like wide open like but it was hilarious so credit credit to him so it can make us twos look like tens if we if we wear it i guess but anyway that was a lot about the Pooh bears um we're happy about them everybody is because you know they're one for one when they're wearing the Pooh bears so um anyhow uh, kind of a, a slow game in a lot of ways, kind of like an unexciting game in a lot of ways. They're playing a team that started off the season pretty slow. Um, they're playing Tory Krug, who I couldn't tell if people were booing or saying Krug. Um, they were booing. I thought they were booing, which is so – that kind of stuff annoys me. Like, you liked him for so long, and he comes back, and it's not like he really – want. like, I don't think he really wanted to leave. 
Um, like no, he wanted it, to be a career Bruin, and yeah, they, he, they literally meant, didn't offer him a contract. Yeah, he did not want to leave. He had to leave. His best friends are in Boston. He loves Boston. Don't boo him. Like it's not. I, I understand. Like okay, you know. Red Sox fans booing a guy that goes to the Yankees because he's he decided he didn't want to play for the Red Sox anymore. Even then, I'm like, well, you liked him for, you know, however many yeah. years, and then he comes Bo- back and you boo him. Boston fans don't don't always uh, get that kind of stuff right. Like like you said, like there's examples of guys who just leave for more money or whatever. But like Krug didn't want to leave. You go back in the day, like. I remember Adam Vinatieri got booed when he came back to Foxborough at the Colts. And that was the same thing. That was like a classic case of Belichick just like letting a guy go. Like Belichick didn't want Vinatieri anymore. He wanted to move on. And, and yet he got booed. And it's like, come on. Like, yeah, we got, we got to use our brains, but they booed Jake DeBrusque when he asked for a trade. Well, that was more understandable. Like I, I can kind of. <laughs> I still I think that, that there's a, there's, but I still think there's like a level of class with dealing with it, where it's like, okay, obviously he has his issues with the team, and I still just don't understand booing your own team. I will say, and booing teammates that used to play here, and yeah. So Krug. Well, I I do know one person who wasn't happy with. Krug though, uh, Charlie Coyle and Krug like actually punched each other in the face after one of the whistles in front of the uh, in front of Bennington, um, and I was kind of shocked by that because they played together, so I wasn't expecting it. And then it, they showed them on the bench too, like still yelling at each other. I mean, in the box, like yelling at each other. So I was like, oh, okay. I was I saw the scrum, and then when I saw it was Krug, I was like, okay, that was the last person I was expecting. <laughs> Yeah, they they got into it pretty good. Um, you know, as far as the game as a whole, like definitely big story for the Bruins with special teams. Uh, power play goes two for two, penalty kill three for three, and the the Blues really had a chance to get off to a good start in this game with a couple early power plays, and Bruins killed them. Then they get a power play of their own, and they score. Uh, Jake DeBrusque off. First, it was a really nice pass from Brad Marchand to David Pasternak. Pasternak couldn't quite settle it in time, so he had to then make a pass himself to DeBrusque for a nice finish. And then Bruins really let up in the second period and sort of sleptwalked through the period. St. Louis ties it. And then you get to the third, and I thought the Bruins really took over in the third for the most part. They put a lot of pressure on. They get another power play. They get six shots on goal with uh, a five forward unit before finally scoring uh, with Marchand setting up Bergeron in the bumper. Um, And that proves to be the decisive goal. Trent Frederick tacks on another. Um, But yeah, special teams were huge. And I thought the third period from the Bruins was really good. Um, You know, you're tied going in. You look at Saturday night's game against Toronto where they're down by a goal. And they get two power plays, a chance, you know, to tie that game. And they didn't get a single shot on goal um, during those two power plays Saturday in Toronto. So for them tonight to get the power play and take advantage and and grab the lead and take control of the game was um, a good way for for the team to bounce back and especially for the power play to bounce back. 
Brian, welcome back. Thank you. <laughs> First time, long time. First time, long time caller. Brian's internet every episode. <laughs> it's always something with oh, me. Oh, Brian was at the game too. Brian was at the game. Scott mm. and I were on the ninth floor. Brian was in the garden trying to buy a Pooh Bear jersey somewhere. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So Brian, from so? from the from the stands, yeah. Uh, what what are some of the things you noticed about about tonight's game? Well, the first thing is I gotta I gotta tip my cap to uh, Scotty McLaughlin because he asked he asked Jim Montgomery about the uh, Mike Riley Jakob Zaboro pairing that um, you know I may or may not have been a little harsh on last episode, depending on who you are. Um, and uh, to your to your question, Bridget, uh, I thought they struggled once again tonight. Although Jim Montgomery told Scotty that uh, he thought they were really well in Toronto, so that was interesting. Uh, I don't know what game he was watching. Um, yeah, no, and I think not. Not sure he liked them as much tonight, given that uh, Jacob Zaboro literally did not play in the third period. Yeah, and I don't think he liked him in Toronto either. I I just think that it's one of those things where you know Jimmy Dragons likes to you know toe the line of being a nice players coach and whatnot. And I get that, but you know they weren't very good in Toronto. I don't know what he was talking about. Um, but you know overall, my thoughts on tonight's game against the Blues was it was just one of eighty two, right? It was um it wasn't the sexiest game out there, um, but as you guys mentioned, they were strong on special teams and oftentimes that kind of that gets you through to a, to two points. Um, so they deserve credit there. Uh, you know, obviously St. Louis could have taken advantage of their three early power plays in the game. They didn't credit to the Bruins penalty kill. And then, um, yeah, DeBrusque's goal and Bergeron's goal in the third timely goals. And they just kind of found a way to win a sleepy November game. Yeah. And, and also credit to the Bruins for after taking three penalties in the first 11 minutes of the game, just not just being more disciplined. And and by the way, some of those calls were a little bit questionable. So, you know, I, I'm thinking the refs were like, maybe we don't want to call the game this way, you know, with the whistles, but um, I want to break down thoughts on lines. So slightly different combinations than usual. And by the way, at some point in the game, they go back to the check line um, and they put Zaka back with Krejci and Pasternak. So um, I had originally like made some notes early in the game about how well the third line was playing with Foligno, Coyle, Zaka. Um, Coyle had a strong, a really strong game. At one point in time, Coyle was leading all forwards in ice time. I have to double check if where he finished, but yeah, he was right behind Pasternak. So he had he was one of the top three in ice time tonight and at a certain point he had the most because he was killing penalties and and he was out on the ice a lot I thought he had a strong game I thought that line um that line was a very hard working line and early in the game like they were they were creating chances they were transitioning they were getting the puck out of their own end um so I thought that that was a good combination and that's one that we hadn't seen too much um earlier in the season so what did you guys think of that line and before it got broken up and they put Zaka back with the check line uh, yeah, I, I liked it too. Um, and it was interesting cause I asked Montgomery about, you know, the decision to move Felino up to that line. And he said that it was, so I asked him that during after morning skate and he said it was more about matchup. He said, you know, I don't know if this is going to be like a longer term promotion or whatever. And he also said, you know, he basically views the whole bottom six as like, as one big unit, like he doesn't necessarily view it as third and fourth line, even though 
obviously sometimes they're like there is a noticeable difference there. And also um, there's a huge difference in minutes if you look at tonight's game. Well, yeah, especially like Coil versus Nosek. Like it's clear who the third line center is. Um, but he said it, it was for matchup reasons. He liked the way that that could work against St. Louis, obviously the team where he just was last season that he's very familiar with. So, um, you know, we saw right out of the gate, he started with that line against uh, the Ryan O'Reilly line. So obviously he wanted that matchup and yeah, I, I did think they played pretty well. Um, you know, obviously three bigger bodies that can protect the puck that should be able to get possession. Uh, you know, in theory, that line can do that with Frederick on the left as well, but Felino's really done it more consistently this season. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I think Felino's played well enough this season that, you know, the idea of putting him on the third line is not crazy at all. Like that, he seems just as deserving as really any of the other wingers that they've been rotating through that line. Um, it was a promotion and it was deserved. So yeah, Ryan. Yeah, I mean, look, I think Felino's a top ten player in the league this year. Um, oh, okay. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I. Um, yeah, no, I, I echo what Scott said. Um, for me, I, I was more so. You know, I was actually actually interested to see uh, Charlie Coyle and uh, and Tori Krug go at it early on in the. Uh, I think it was the first period. I thought that was. Um, yeah, they uh, they ended up they. I think Brian, you yeah. we talked about it, we but I think you were, while you were disconnected. <laughs> you were, oh, you were did gone. you guys? Oh, classic, yeah. classic. Yeah, I got my hotspot going here, which is crazy considering I pay for Wi-Fi, but nonetheless, um, <laughs> you know, it's what it is. Uh, so yeah, that was good. Um, as far as you know, the bottom six goes. Trent Frederick kind of gets a fortuitous bounce, but that's what happens when you put it to the net. So. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I was just, I was wondering if that at first I was like, did that deflect off Nosek? But no, it kind of looked like it straight through it, the screen. It's kind but. of found its way in, you know. It was like a it was like a little ski ball ski ball round when you you know you, you accidentally get the thousand points there. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, like I said earlier, it was just kind of one of those games where you find a way to win. I didn't think anybody was outstanding. I didn't think anybody was you know porous. Um, I just think that it's a game that good teams find a way to win. And the Bruins, the Bruins did that. I was, uh, I don't know if you guys mentioned this as well when I was off the grid, but um, uh, were you guys expecting at some point, maybe to see McAvoy tonight? Um, You know, I know obviously they did the pregame, you know, lines this morning and whatnot, but uh, do you have any, any sense of a timetable for him? Do you think maybe later this week or, or what? No, I think we're, I think we're at the point where, like, I wouldn't be surprised on any given day, but what I'm watching is the same thing they did with Marsh. And I think once you see that first practice where he gets moved up with either Lindholm or Grizzlick, that means he's ready. Um, until that happens, I that's going to be the tip-off to me is we see him in practice or morning skate next to Lindholm or Grizzlick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as of like, for the time being still, still without 
forward, obviously. Um, but for the time being, that Clifton Lindholm pair is working very well. Um, I think I mentioned this on a previous podcast, would never have thought that would be a pair at some point, you know, early in the season, but here we are and always just positive things to say about Clifton, like coach always takes the opportunity to, to credit Clifton. And, um, you know, I, I didn't have really all that much to say about the defense. Um, but I think that's a good thing besides the whole Saboral Riley pair getting, you know, much fewer minutes and everything. Um, 